Well, I'm not Tim. Tim is there. This is your pastor, and I'm uh, your visiting superintendent. So, anyways, it's good to, to have you here this morning. I guess it's good to have me here and my wife since we're, since we're visiting. But, anyways, it's, it's wonderful always to visit the coast. And, um, boy, Saturday was a decent, decent weather, but I guess the weather's kind of changed. So, um, turn in your Bibles, and we're going to look at a portion of Scripture found in Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to just read the, these, these few verses, verses 19 through 24. Um, this particular group of verses is found in the most famous sermon in history called the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus gave so many principles, but we're going to talk about three major impactful areas of our life. The theme this year for our conference is the word impact. And uh, I don't know if you realize, but it was two years ago this week that we were told to go home for a couple of weeks to lower the curve. Two weeks this week. I mean, two years ago this week. And now this weekend is, I guess Saturday was our Freedom Day here in Oregon. We're, we no longer had to wear masks indoors, right? Um, but, and I do believe things have changed. But I think there's something that's happened to our, our thinking and our emotions, um, I, being isolated from one another. And my desire is that we wouldn't turn inward, that we wouldn't become apathetic, but that you and I would be able to make an impact for the kingdom. The word impact, if you're taking notes there, and by the way, I think you all have an outline. I'm an outline guy, you know, wherever two or three are gathered together, there shall be an outline. Anyways, um, impact means this, all right? You can write this down. It means to have a strong effect on something or someone, okay? To have a strong effect on something and so or someone. Now, Today, we're not going to talk about having an impact on others. We're, we're going to talk about God having an impact on us. That's what this passage is about. Our lives have to be changed before we can see other people's lives changed. So here are the words of Jesus, Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 24, and then we'll look at these three impact uh, areas of our lives. Verse 19, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is a lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Three impact questions about our treasures, about our worldview, and about our relationship to God. Are you ready? So if you're taking notes, here's the first impact, life impact question. What am I storing? And Jesus here says all of us are 
storing things in one of two places. We're either storing things on earth or we're storing things on heaven. What exactly was Jesus saying? Do you know that Jesus talked about our treasures more than he did heaven and hell combined? Why is that? Um, part of it, I think, is we spend so much of our time around our treasures. You know, we go to work and we make money and we save money and we buy things and we insure things and we worry about things and we repair things and all that stuff. And so, you know, we, we are consumed by our, our things, our stuff. But more than that, Jesus points out here that where our treasure is, there our heart's going to be. And so he says, make sure your treasure is in heavenly things, not in earthly things. Not in earthly things. The word store up means, it means to, and it's there in your notes, it means keeping safe that which is of great value. We all have, by the way, there is nothing wrong with things. Don't, don't, don't get the idea that I think having treasure is, is a bad thing. Treasures, treasures are blessings from God. But it's not what we value it's not our focus in life. It's not, what, it's not what we depend upon, okay? What's that old saying? Uh, he, he who wins with the most toy... Uh, what, how does that go? He who dies with the most toys wins. And you heard the corollary to that. He who dies with the most toys still dies, right? You can't take it with you. All right, a couple of observations about those things, okay? If you're taking notes, the problem with earthly things is they don't last. Earthly treasures never last. Notice Jesus says here that when we store things on earth, moths and vermin destroy, thieves break in and steal, they just don't last. Back in ancient times, treasures came in three areas. Clothing, the things that we were wearing. Uh, food sources like livestock and crops and sheep. All right, that was part of their wealth. And then precious metals. Okay, gems, minerals, jewels. And so Jesus specifically said, those things can be destroyed. Your clothes by moths. Your food sources by vermin, or some of yours say rust, and guess what? You can have thieves break in and steal, or you can have the stock market crash, <laughs> and your stuff is gone. They don't last. So Jesus is giving us a reasonable warning here. Don't put your treasure, don't put your valuables, don't put your focus on the things of this earth. Second thing Earthly treasures never satisfy. They never satisfy. It was J.D. Rockefeller who was asked, how much money is enough, right? You've heard this before. At that time, he owned 90% of the oil and gas industry, and he would, he would even make Warren Buffett uh, look broke. But he was asked, how much money is enough? And it was, it was Rockefeller who said, just a little bit more. <laughs> Just a little bit more. We are never quite satisfied with things. Most of us can't even remember what we got for Christmas last year, right? We, we just... So things should not be our focus. Jesus told 
a, a parable of the rich fool. In fact, in that, he said, watch out. It's there in your notes. Watch out, be on guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in the abundance of our possessions. And in that parable, and I'm not going to read it uh, entirely. I'll just talk about it. There's this guy, and he had a bumper crop. I mean, it was just, things are going so well. And he said, this is wonderful. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tear down my barns. And I'm going to build bigger storage areas. And, and Jesus said in the parable, that, that man was foolish because that night, that day, he was going to die and go into eternity. In Luke 12, if you, have, if you have your Bibles open there, you can look at Luke 12, verse 21. It's there on your screen, I think. This is how... It will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. Let me read that again. Luke chapter 12, verse 21. That is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. So how do we become rich towards God? Where do we find the kingdom currency, right? Someone said you can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead, all right? But how do we do that? I'm going to tell you how. It's by giving. It's by giving. I do want you to turn to this passage of Scripture. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Verses 17 through 19, all right? So if you have a Bible or a phone or an iPad, you know, in the old days we just had only the Bible, but now i got to say, you know, not turn, but maybe press, all right? right? Get, Get, you know, get it up on your screen. Not to simplify it, but I'm going to try to simplify it here. Greedy people are storing things up, are storing things up on earth. Okay, greedy people are storing things up on earth, and giving people are storing things up in heaven. And let me just put that in context with what Paul writes here to Timothy. He says this. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money which is so unreliable. Now, can, you, can you almost hear this, the words of Jesus? Okay, Don't, build, don't put your treasures in, in earth because they're, they're not going to last. Their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. By the way, before you tune me out on this passage, every one of us here today is rich. Okay? Um, I think most of you had a meal today. Most of you drove here in a car. You're, just by doing those two things, you're like in the top 5% of the world as far as wealth. Maybe not quite that, but top 10%. So we are wealthy. We're, we've been blessed. Let me go on. Teach them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. Now look at this next phrase. By doing this, they'll be storing up their treasures as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. The Bible says 
that the way we build treasures in heaven is by being generous, by doing good. Okay, by the way, I'm not talking about salvation here. Don't, don't think I'm, I'm talking about as, as people that are following Jesus. Here's the life impact principle number one. Store up eternal treasures by giving rather than getting. Okay, store up eternal treasures by giving rather than getting. The fact is God has blessed us with things not so that we can go, oh, oh, thank you, God. You've blessed me so much. And you know, thank you for your blessings. No, he blesses us so that we can bless others. So we can bless others. And the question today is, how, how is God asking you to bless others? How is God asking you to be a greater giver in your life? Here's something you can write down as we just conclude this first point here. The cure for greed is giving. I don't know any other antidote to materialism. The cure for greed is giving. I like what Randy Elkhorn said. He said, don't raise your standard of living. Raise your standard of giving. Raise your standard of giving. So the first question here is what, or uh, yeah, what, or where am I? What am I storing? Am I storing treasures on earth by being greedy? Or am I storing treasures in heaven by, by being generous, by being a giving person? All right? Second question. Tracking with me here? Second question is this. Is how am I seeing? How am I seeing? Both my parents are living. My dad's 94, and my mother's just about to turn nine, or 89. And um, a while back, they were actually going to church, and my dad was driving, and he was having a hard time seeing. My, my mom's name is Florence, and my dad's name is Leroy. And my dad goes, Florence, I, I can't see very well, and I, I think I'll be okay. And he gets to church, and they sit down, and they start to look at the worship slides. And my mom says, I'm not seeing very well either. The, the words on the, on the screen are blurry. And they started to think, what's going on? We both can't, we're both having problems seeing. So they got back home. And about halfway through the afternoon, they were watching TV. And my mom was looking around, looking at my dad. And, oh, by the way, they were having a hard time even seeing the TV. It was really, I mean, they thought, was it carbon monoxide poisoning? Are we both losing our sight at the same time? Um, but my mom realized that they had exchanged glasses. You know how glasses look a lot, you know, a lot similar these days between the men and women, but they had exchanged glasses and were wearing this, the same, or different glasses uh, for much of the day, okay? <laughs> so how is your eyesight? The point here is what kind of glasses do you have on? This is what Jesus was saying in this next question. How am I seeing? Matthew chapter 6, verses 22 and 23. The eye is the lamp of the body. Uh, to the ancient mind, the eye was like a window that the whole body looked through. Okay, that's the idea here. The eye is the lamp. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? 
Now, here's the point. It's not what you see. It's how you see it. Okay, let me explain that. It's not what you see. This is what Jesus was saying. It's our perception. And if your perception is bad, everything is going to be bad. If your perception is good, everything is good. There's another word that we use for it in our culture, in our language. It's called worldview. Worldview. How I interpret things around me. How I see things around me. Worldview is the glasses we put on to view reality and make sense of life and the world. Yeah, there's a wonderful picture of me. Yes, yes. That was at a wedding, by the way. And I, I yeah, they had all goofy costumes and that's the one I put on. So, yeah, you, you can take that off now. That's rather, yeah, they're very, very distracting. But all of us, whether you realize it or not, you are living from a very specific worldview. My wife and I have three-year-old twins and... Um, Yeah, granddaughters, that's right. Granddaughters. They're not, our, they're not our kids, they're our granddaughters, thank you. We have three-year-old granddaughter twins, and uh, the one girl always says, and, and her parents taught her this, caring is sharing. Yeah, isn't that nice? The only thing is it only applies to her wanting to take things from her siblings, Right? It never applies for her giving to somebody else. So she'll walk up to somebody, grab something, and go, caring is sharing. <laughs> but from her perspective, all the world centers around her. It's her world view. If you are a secular humanist, you believe that the material world is all that exists, that we came from nothing and we're going to nothing. But if you're a Christian this morning, you believe that there's a God who made us and that we were designed to have a relationship with him and that we are made to praise him and love him and live with him for eternity. Completely different world view. So where do you get a proper view of the world? And here it is. The Bible, the Word of God. Psalm 119, 105 says this, Your word is a lamp. It's the light for my feet, a light on my path. The Word of God, the Word of God. So someone that has a biblical world view sees the world totally different than someone that has a secular world view. Notice what it says in verse 23. If the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? If your view, if your particular light is dark, it's not going to get you where you need to go, right? The Word of God is the light of God. Here's the life impact uh, principle number two. See everything from the lens of God's Word, not the world. Okay, See everything from the glasses of the Word of God, not the world. One of, one of my concerns, and I say this for myself, is that we are impacted by the world without even realizing it. Through social media, by 
the friends that we hang out, by um, the books and material that we read, by the movies we watch. And I'm not saying that we can get away from that, okay? We are in the world, we are to be what? In the world, but not of the world, right? But we need to be very conscious of whether we're thinking biblically or we're thinking secularly. And sometimes we don't even ask ourselves a question. We just think. We just do. We just have opinions, right? <laughs> and ultimately, it comes back to, say, to ask ourselves, what does the Word of God say? That's why it's important to, to you know, come together on a regular basis, to hear God's Word, to be in a Bible study, to spend more time reading the Bible than we do watching the news. Yikes, now I'm really meddling. Okay. First John 2, 15 through 17 says, Don't love the world or anything that belongs to the world. If you love the world, you cannot love the Father. Our foolish pride comes from this world, and so does our selfish desires and our desires to have everything we see. None of this comes from the Father. The world and the desires it causes are disappearing. But if we obey God, we will live forever. Three impact questions. What am I storing? How am I seeing? And the third one here is who am I serving? And this is the most powerful pivotal point, in fact, of the entire Sermon on the Mount, and that is who do I ultimately serve? Sometimes I, I, I think that we, we think we can be in two different worlds or maybe three different worlds. As Westerners, we tend to compartmentalize things. I've got my, my work life over here. I've got my family life over here. I've got my personal life with my buddies over here. And then over here, I've got my church life, right? That's, you know, that is, that's impossible. That's impossible. Notice what Jesus said. No one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Some of your Bibles say mammon. Um, I think both of those meanings fall a little bit short because mammon is more than money. Here's a definition. I think it's there in your notes. It's the God of materialism, materialism and worldly gain. It's, it's a God of materialism and worldly gain. And, and Jesus said you can't serve the world and the system of the world and God at the same time. Let me just give you some symptoms of serving mammon or serving money. Let me read, read you a couple of these. I, I'm more concerned about my possessions than a person who is lost and far from God. This is how I, I, I saw it one time. What, what bothers you more, a scratch on your car or your neighbor going to hell? What bothers you more? I struggle with, here's another one, I struggle with envy. I find myself wanting what others have while, being, while not being grateful for what God has given me. I use money and materialism for security rather than my relationship with God. 
I lack self-control, which is the fruit of the Spirit. I overspend and mismanage the, the treasures that I have. I have a hard time giving of my time and my resources for the kingdom. And here's another one. I never have enough. I'm chronically discontent. Those are some possible symptoms that we are serving mammon or money rather than God. There's a word for this in the Bible, and it's a little bit offensive. It's called spiritual adultery. Did you know that? Look at your notes. Spiritual adultery is loving anything more than God. In James chapter 4, 4, it says, You adulterous people. Now, he's not talking here about physical adultery. He's talking about spiritual adultery. Don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Jesus said you cannot serve him or anything else. He has got to be the center of our lives. And even as we look at, at the things that we do and the places that we go and the conversations that we have, we have to ask ourselves, is God really in charge? And I think for most of us, we, we, we probably say, I want him to be in charge, right? But I have to admit, I like to be the one calling the shots. I like to be uh, things going my way. I love the example of Joshua and he, he got up one day and he talked to the entire people of Israel. And he said, in fact, let me read it to you. Joshua chapter 24, verses 14 through 15. Joshua said to Israel, So revere Jehovah and serve him in sincerity and truth. Put away forever the idols your ancestors worshipped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. Worship the Lord alone. But if you're unwilling to obey the Lord, then decide today whom you'll obey, whether it be the gods of the, your ancestors before the Euphrates or the god of the Ammonites, Amorites here in this land. But as for, and here's that phrase, but as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. So here's that life impact principle number three. Stop living two different lives. Love God and serve him only. Love God and serve him only. Three questions. We're going we're gonna to close with just going over them. And right now, I, I'd like us to bow our heads and just come before God And the Bible says that we are to be not hearers of the word only, but to be doers of it. And so for the, as our heads are bowed, would you say, Lord, I don't want to just hear a message today. I, I want to allow you to change my life. And so, Lord, you said that I'm supposed to store treasures in heaven. And I've got to ask myself, where am I storing my treasures? 
Lord, forgive me for looking to money as a place of security rather than you. And, and help me to be more generous. To be more generous to those I come in contact with. To be more generous uh, in, in my church. To be more generous as I uh, relate and, and, and have relationships with people in the community, Lord. Just show me how I can be a giver and not a getter. And Lord, sometimes I don't even think about how I view things. Help me to see things from your perspective. Help me to see uh, the world from the word of God, from your word, Lord. Give me your eyes, Lord, to see the things around me. And then, Lord, I want to surrender everything that I have to you. I want you to be first in my life. I want you to be the center of everything. I want everything that I do to bring glory to you. I don't want to serve anything or anyone besides you. Lord, change my life. Impact it. Help me to be living differently because I'm following you. In your name I pray, amen.